0: We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Amen. Thank you, Mark and team. It's good to see everybody here this evening. I hope you've had a good week so far. It's the first day of the week, isn't it? So it's not very far into the week. So I hope it's starting off well today on the Lord's Day. As we look at this passage here tonight, we're still looking in the wonder years. We started out the early years in the Gospel of Luke and Jesus' Um, early life, his baptism, his uh, presentation, starting his earthly ministry here at 30 years old. And then we, uh, we've looked at the wonder years. And we talked about different, different kinds of words used for Jesus' as wonders. Wonders, works, miracles, and signs. The Gospels use those words almost interchangeably. The Old Testament uses the, uh, some of them also. And we've looked at a lot of healings. We've looked at some uh, where he cast out demons out of people that were bound. We've looked at some, some miracles that he did widespread with groups. We've looked at the transfiguration and, and other things. And as we come uh, tonight, we're going to look at the, an example of a woman that the scripture says has been bound. Has been bound. One of the things that the Messiah would do, he would come to set the captive free. And we realize that we can be captive for a lot of different reasons. I could actually be in jail captive, literally, physically in a jail cell. But I also could be captive in mind. Uh, right now we have other pandemics in our country, in our world. And, and anxiety, panic attacks, depression is, is a pandemic. It is, it is facing people of all ages all across our land. And those things are very, very real, and we can be captive sometimes because of different reasons and different circumstances. We can be captive uh, with uh, emotions, uh, mentally. We've been captive physically with something that has uh, uh, t- attacked us, something that has, that has affected us physically. And we can be, we can be uh, we can be held captive spiritually. And we're going to see tonight a specific circumstance where Jesus is going to set a captive free. And I hope it'll be a blessing to you as I'm gonna share with you too. Uh, this lady's sick. And the Bible gives us several different reasons for sickness. Now I know you've probably heard all kinds of things. Some people wanna blame everything on the devil. Some people wanna blame everything here or there. But the scriptures, we look at it as a whole, gives us a few different examples of why we as human beings can face sickness in our life. And I, I hope you'll write them down as we talk about them. But look with me. I, I, just, I just entitled this tonight, Freed, Freed. Many of the miracles Jesus did, he set someone free. And the whole world ought to be excited about that. In John chapter nine, a, a, a man that had been born blind and Jesus healed him and be able to see for the first time, the whole world should have rejoiced in that, but they didn't for a reason. Even his own parents were, were ashamed of what happened, and they were afraid they are going to get put out of the synagogue. And they would say, is this your son? We know it's our son, but we don't know anything else. Just, we don't want to be uh, held accountable. How sad. The whole world should have rejoiced that this man was able to see. And tonight we'll see that same circumstance. How could someone not want someone who is ill to be made well? I just don't understand but the scripture is going to teach us that tonight. We are glad you are here. God knows you are here, and I'm very, very thankful to be able to share God's word. Let's have a good time in the Bible tonight. Luke 13, verse 10, and he was, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. This is the last time in the gospel of Luke, if I'm not mistaken, that Jesus is going to teach in the synagogue. In the other gospels, it it might give some other instances, but in the gospel of Luke that we're looking at, one of the last times Jesus teaches in the synagogues. synagogue was like what we know of as a church. It's a little bit different. It's not the temple, the temple of the the Old Testament, Uh, but it's a synagogue. It's a group meeting to where these Jews gather together, very similar to what we have in church here today. So he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. That's important because that is on the day of the Old Testament, the day of rest. It was the, uh, the last day of the week, and God said that he worked six days in creating, and he, he, he gave them, the Jewish people, the Sabbath day to rest, and that's significant because in the Old Testament, God gave his law. Now, law had to do with ceremonial things, sacrificial things. It had to do with hygiene and health laws. It had to do with spiritual aspects sacrifices and all kinds of things. What happened was God gave his law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We find a lot of God's instructions in those books. But then the Jewish people added to it. Can you believe that? Can they believe that? We don't have enough laws. So they just made several hundred more. And they still to this day, if you go to visit Israel, and I'll mention some of those circumstances, they still follow some of the uh, laws of religious order that God didn't put in place, but the Jews did. And there's a, there's always a controversy when Jesus met the scribes, Pharisees in the New Testament. He said, you teach the doctrines of men, the commandments of men is are the doctrines of God. Can that still happen today? Can a preacher or a teacher get up and start teaching something that's out, out out, of the will of God, out of the word of God, not, not a part of it, but teach it as though it is, thus saith the Lord. When people uh, come for counseling and, or they come with questions about the scripture, I never want to assume they know what the Bible says. Now, that, I don't mean that negatively, but I don't want to assume that people have truly seen what the Bible says about different themes and different circumstances. We need to start over and to make sure, because there's a great percentage of people that don't know what the Bible says, but they know what someone said the Bible said. Have you ever run into that before? They know what someone told them the Bible said. Uh, I can give you examples, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. Your mama might tell you that when she wants wants you to wash behind your ears. But that's not anywhere in the Bible. God helps those that help themselves. That is not biblical. In fact, it's not even, not even a, a, a part of hinting toward that. It, we need to be careful of those things. But often we know what someone said the Bible said. So that's why I love to let people look at it with our, with our own eyes. Here, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. Now, this particular physical sickness was actually caused by a demon, because, caused by the enemy. And I'll, I'll distinguish that in a moment. 18 years. Do we have anybody that's 18? You gap guys are so much older than that. Look at all these gap guys over there. They're 19. They're not 18 anymore. Remember how those years are real important? Uh, Mr. Cobb, are you 18? You are your whole life. This lady's been sick. Isn't that amazing? That's how long, as long as he's been alive, this woman has had an illness for 18 years. I don't know about you, but if I have an illness for 18 minutes, I'm looking for medicine. I'm looking for some relief. I'm looking for something. Uh, Chronic illness is very, very challenging. And I have great empathy, sympathy, respect for people. Uh, I've had some illness in my life, but by God's grace, I got over it. Some people are not over it. And this woman here for 18 years got up in the morning and she was still the same. Now, it said that she had a sickness caused by a spirit. That is a demon. That is not, the Holy Spirit does not do that. Uh, but the, this is by a demon. There are six different reasons, uh, at least in the scripture, that tell us why sickness comes there may be some that we won't know until we get to heaven would you agree there's going to be a lot of things that we go through that we don't know and god will show us when we get there uh, i've got a lot of questions i don't know about you maybe we won't have those questions when we get to heaven for it says we will know even as we are known but i want to give you one of them that's this one that's the enemy's influence i want to always remind you the enemy cannot do something outside of god's permission Don't give the devil too much credit. He cannot do what he wants. He has to have allowance to do it. And I'll give you the example in Job's life. Satan went to God and said, "Uh, the only reason why this man Job is following you is because you built a hedge of protection around him. You won't let him have any uncomfortable things. You won't let him be hurt. Let me touch his body and make him sick and he'll turn and curse you. Did he do that? God allowed him to, To touch his physical body. That's an instance where the enemy is allowed to cause a sickness. And Job didn't curse God, did he? He said the Lord gave and the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So one of them is the enemy's influence. Another one is a sickness for the glory of God. For the glory of God. Um, Lazarus. He had died, and, and Jesus said uh, he stayed two more days when he found out where, he, where he, uh, the news of his uh, friend dying. And when he came there, you remember Mary and Martha, if you'd have been here, Lord, if you would have, in other words, if you would have been here like we put you in a box, and we say it would have to be like this for you to do something about it, if you would have been here at that time, you could have done something. And Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection. I'm not... I wasn't the resurrection only. And I wasn't just for that time that you say, before it was too late. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, Lazarus is sleeping. And, and they said, well, if he's sleeping, he's doing well. And finally, Jesus said, he is dead. Because Jesus, to death to him is like sleeping. And he knew what he was going to do. He, this, this, his life and his death is for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. Now think about that. Could we have a sickness that could somehow and in some way be used to glorify God? Now I say that very respectfully. Does anybody know who Fanny Crosby was? Fanny Crosby is has written thousands of hymns. She has been used so greatly in the kingdom of God. And yet she was very, very ill, very, very sick. The third one, uh, the blind man. Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin that caused him to be born blind? We always want to blame somebody. We want to find out, don't we, and and put the, the name tag on it. And Jesus said, neither one. This man is not blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned but that the works of God may be made manifest. You remember what what, uh, Nicodemus said to Jesus? We know you're from God because no one can do these works that you do. So one of the things that the Messiah was gonna do was gonna be able to do works that no one else could do. And so some sicknesses like that blind man, that affliction was so the works of God could be made manifest because Jesus was gonna heal him. Now, do we always know the reason why we're sick ahead of time? Nope. We've got to trust God that he has that in control. So the enemy's influence for the glory of God, like for Lazarus, for the works of God to be manifested by, like the blind man. Some um, sickness is because of our sin. Can I harm my physical body? Can I take the temple of the Holy Spirit that God wants to dwell in? And can I abuse it? use it wrongfully? Can I put things in it that can harm that? And can I be sick as a result of sin? Yes. I can have sickness as consequences of disobedient behavior. So that's one of the reasons why I can be sick because I've rejected God. I've lived in a fashion that he told me not to. I've broken his word and I made myself sick. Fifthly, there's an amazing verse in Book of Psalms, it said, it's good that I've been afflicted. I'll never forget sharing that with a lady one time that was kind of visiting our church and she thought that was the worst thing she'd ever heard. It's good that I've been afflicted for it's caused me to turn under your statutes. Can God allow a sickness to come in our life to get our attention? Can he allow a sickness in our life to work toward our salvation? In 1966, my mother came home after going to the doctor not feeling well and said, I have cancer. And she said, we're going to go to church. That's the next words that came out of her mouth. We're going to go to church. And I'm so glad she did because she took me to church as a six-year-old and I heard about Jesus. And I credit that sickness, which I do not say it lightly, and I do not minimize anyone, that has any kind of affliction or sickness, but that sickness was used to help her walk with Christ and my walk with Christ and my brother's walk with Christ and my other brother's walk with Christ and countless other people. So some sicknesses are to draw us to the Lord or someone else to be drawn to the Lord when they see how we live as a Christian through that. Not because of sin, not because of Satan. It is for God to use to draw people to himself. And I can tell you I'm a product of my mother getting ill all those years ago because I saw her turn to Christ, and it caused me to want the same thing. And then number six, there are sicknesses unto death. If Jesus doesn't come back yet, there's a pretty good percentage that we're going to pass away, would you say? I'm doing two funerals. I've already done one this week and do, have another one um, Tuesday. There's a pretty good percentage that we are going to pass away. The Bible says about King Asa, King Asa was sick with the sickness where which he died. So there are sicknesses of all different kinds that are what God allows to come Uh, I went with one of my good friends just uh, two days ago. He said one of his other good friends that I've only met a couple times, but they were very, very close, and he said he passed away. I'm going to the hospital. I said, I'm going with you. And we got to see, and he had already passed away. The family was gone, but he got to say goodbye to his friend there. And that was the sickness that God allowed, very quick acting, but God allowed to take this godly man, a servant that served well to the very end. He was just teaching, giving God the glory uh, just a few days before, and now he's home. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so there are sicknesses that we'll die from. I want to take time to just share with you. Those are examples of scripture says. So here is a woman, 18 years, she's been sick, and it says she was bent double, and could not straighten up at all. There is chronic pain. There is a tough illness there somehow. There's, there's de, de, um, a deforming in her spine. Most likely it could involve ligaments. It could involve tendons, muscles that are reshaped and pulled another way. Most likely involved her, her vertebra and the bones in her back. She was bent over and for 18 years not able to straighten up at all. Do you believe that there, that was a spiritual uh, burden for her? Physical, mental, emotional, financial, every way that it could be. And for 18 years, she's lived through that. Verse 12 says, when she saw Jesus, well, I just can't even picture what it would be like for those that lived on the earth the same time Jesus did. Because she probably heard about him he touched a man with a withered hand and made it whole. He raised a, a man that already died. and She probably heard about him. It says, when Jesus saw her. I want to stop right there for a second, too. Uh, Jordan already said it in his welcome and in his prayer tonight. Mark said something about it also in the music. God knows where each of us are here tonight. The next part of this is... is When Jesus saw her, he sees you too. Aren't you glad? He knows where you're at, what you've been through, what you're going through right now. He knows what tomorrow's going to hold for you. Jesus is allowing this woman to come to him in a moment, but it first says, when Jesus saw her, he knew her pain. He knew her anguish. No one knows like Jesus. No one cares like Jesus. That's an old hymn the compassionate Savior Lord saw her. And before I go any further tonight, there's not a young person here, anybody older than a young person here that God does not see you. You may feel lonely sometimes. God sees you. you may feel tired. You may feel unimportant. You may feel uh, lost somehow. Jesus sees you. He knows where you are. He sees me, and I'm so thankful. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, and, and that, that is not a disrespectful term. It's like what we would say lady today. And when I say lady, regardless of what uh, people are trying to say uh, now, but that's an that's a endearing term of respect. I said something about to a 70-year-old woman the other day, and I said, yeah, she's a real lady. And that woman said, don't call me a lady. And I'm going, what now? I can't figure all things, things out I'm not supposed to say anymore. I said, ma'am, that is one of the greatest things my parents taught because all females aren't ladies. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Don't email me. But I was talking about she carried herself properly. She was a lady, and that was a, that was a term of respect to her. Oh, my goodness, we've gone nuts in our world. But Jesus said to her, look at this. Can you picture her hearing these words from Jesus? Woman, you are freed from your sickness. No man could tell that. Nobody could tell her that except the Messiah. You are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her. Did you know that's what the Messiah was going to be able to do? He was going to be able to lay his hands on people and they would be healed. There's a great song that I love, and it's called The Touch of the Master's Hand. The touch of the master's hand is a a healing touch, and Jesus put his hands on her, and immediately, that's what kind of miracles Jesus does. It's not, well, you gotta go to therapy for a little while. No, it was immediately to prove that God did it. Immediately, she was made erect. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how her muscles got reshaped and those tendons or the ligaments got stretched or or tightened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how those bones that were crooked for 18 years, because they were very crooked if she was stooped over, all of a sudden now, vertebrae and disc and all of the backbones is, goes back and it's curved like it's supposed to now. And she was erect. She was straight. I have... Believe it or not, I have some aches and pains, not like a lot of people do. And I may have some more before I get through living. But I want to just tell everybody, no matter what state we're in, I've got good friends that are uh, really, really struggling. If you're a Christian, there's going to be a day in a place called heaven. Go- we're, going to be, we're going to be healed completely. We're going to be well because I've read the end of the book and it said in that place, there's not going to be any sickness. There's not going to be sorrow. There won't be any disease. There won't be need to cry anymore. There's going to be a tree with leaves on it and the, the leaves are the healing for the nations. We're going to be well. There won't be blind and dumb and deaf. There won't be. And that's what I'm looking forward to. No matter what my life may hold before then, I'm going to be well. Look what it says. And immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. And that's one of the keys of this passage. It wasn't just that she was healed, because if that was it, and that was the main thing, then that's what Jesus would have done to everybody that ever lives and everybody comes to know him. And he's never said that. He's never said that. Paul the Apostle, folks, he's in heaven, his name's in the book. He had a thorn in the flesh and three times he asked God, would you take it away? And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Trophimus, I have left at Miletus sick. He didn't heal him. There was another brother, it says, in one of the letters to the churches. He was sick, not unto death for the work of ministry. Have you had pastors work so hard they're about to kill themselves for, the, for their, their service to the church? This guy was. They didn't get healed. And so, uh, at least we don't know that they did. It's not recorded in scripture. But the real healing, yes, we need to pray for healing. And when I pray for healing, I pray for healing every way possible. Because God can do it any way he wants to. But when I was in that hospital the other day and I put my hand on that, that man that had already passed his forehead and I said, absent from the body, is present with the Lord. This is a tabernacle, it's a tent. And I said, one of these days, This earthly shell that this man had, because he loved Jesus. One of these days, that earthly tabernacle, the tent, is gonna come up out of the graves because Jesus said, I'm coming back from my church. Are you ready for him to come back? I wasn't when I was 20. I thought about it when I was 30. In the 40s, I was beginning to wonder, you know, I think it will be all right. In my 50s, I'm saying, come Lord Jesus. When I turned 60, I said, please come today. This, listen, I mean, It happens. But the real healing was the next part. She began glorifying God. And that's what healing is all about. Her soul was healed. She was now someone who believed in what Christ could do. She was freed at once. Nobody can resist the power and the will of God. Jesus determined to heal her that day, and there was nothing, all the powers of hell could not stop it. Remember, it's not a tug of war between God and Satan. Satan can only do what he's allowed to do and has permission to do and go so far and no further. God knows and Satan knows he's a defeated foe. It's not, you know, uh, an angel on one side of our shoulder and a devil on the other side. And, and they're equally powerful tugging for our soul. No, that's, that's Hollywood. God is all-powerful. He's in control. And it says, she began to glorify God. If I could ask her in heaven right now, was it worth going through those 18 years? I believe before I could even get that question out, she'd say, oh, let me tell you. There's nothing that compares. And the fact that scripture says our light affliction, and some people say, you don't know, Mike, I have more than a light affliction. Many people do. But the Bible teaches us that when we get to heaven, we're going to say, all of that was worth it. Nothing compares with the glory that's going to be revealed for those that know the Lord. Second Corinthians 4, 17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. When we get to heaven, we're not going to look back and say, woe is me. If you ever wonder about hurt or pain or suffering, just remember what Jesus went through on the cross. I believe he suffered more than any human that could ever suffer. And if we ask him right now, was it worth it? I believe he'd say, yes, it was. If somebody at Denton Bible Church on Sunday evening service tonight would get saved or a Christian would get closer to me, it's worth it. It's worth it. This miracle was also descriptive of the nation of Israel. Was the nation of Israel crooked? Yeah, they were bent out of shape. They were messed up. And just like Jesus could heal that woman and straighten her physical body, Jesus could heal Israel also and make Israel turn back to God. My dad used to say all the time, you boys better straighten up and fly right. Now I didn't know what all he meant by that and he probably heard it from his dad and his granddad. But I knew what he meant. Part of it was, you better do the right thing. Well, this lady heard the Lord say, you straighten up. And she was straight. But the synagogue official, real quickly, indignant. How can that be? Why wouldn't he not be so excited? This woman is healed. The power of God is among us. You need to listen to what Jesus is saying. You know why? Because he's jealous. He didn't want Jesus to be listened to and to be followed. He is jealous because he's claiming to be the close people to God. He was indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. He began saying to the crowd in response, there's six days in which work should be done, so come during them and get healed and not on the Sabbath day. I'll guarantee you he didn't want her to be healed at all. He didn't want Jesus to, to be popular and to be accepted and people listen to him. He wanted them to listen to him. He was indignant, upset. How could someone truly be upset that a woman was set free? That's a problem. That's a problem in somebody's heart. And it says, "But the Lord answered him and said, "You hypocrites, uh, what do you mean by that? He meant you hypocrites. Pretty clear, isn't it? A hypocrite, somebody who says one thing and does another tells you and me to do one thing, but they won't do it. You hypocrites? Um, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? Of course they did. They fed their animals. well you 're not supposed to work. When I was in Israel, two thousand and eleven, a waiter came into the place we were eating and brought a glass of water to a person that 's fine. They asked for some milk. That same waiter came back in and brought a glass of milk. And because that waiter did that under kosher Israel Jewish law, he could no longer enter that room. They have made all kinds of laws like that. He could no longer enter that room and to wait on tables because milk had been brought and water somehow. On the Sabbath day, Shabbat is what they call it in Israel, you get on an elevator, an elevator, And you want to go to the 14th floor. You can't push 14. The elevator starts, and it starts on 1, and the door opens. It goes to 2, and the door opens. Only on Saturday, on on Sabbath. And the door opens at 3, the door opens at 4. You know why? Because if you take your finger, according to Jewish kosher law, not God's law, if you take your finger and you reach out and punch that button, to punch uh, floor 14, you're working. And you're not supposed to work on the Lord's Sabbath. That's not what God said. He said, I don't want you to work menial labor to get gain. Don't work to get money. But you feed your animals, and it's, it's not work to pick up a stick so you don't trip over it. The Jews had put all kinds of other laws. And I'm sitting there, I can't remember what floor my room was on in that, in that hotel, but I'm sitting there one. The door opens, nobody's getting on. Two, the door opens. And it did that every floor all day long on Saturday. He said, you're hypocrites. One place he said, you strain at a gnat. In other words, you just force a gnat going down your throat. But he said, you swallow a camel. You'll choke on a gnat, but you'll swallow a camel. What he's talking about is you'll get nitpicky about something little that doesn't make any difference, and you'll swallow a whole non-truth. I could give you some examples, but I better not. Uh, look what happened. In this woman, verse 16, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 years. Did Jesus know the difference in what kind of illness he had? He knew it was Satan-initiated. Uh, Should she not be released from this bond on the Sabbath day? It's good to do good on the Sabbath day. And now we are New Testament Christians. We meet together on the Lord's day. And that's why it's very important for us to come to church. And you're here, I'm thankful. As he said this, all his opponents were being humiliated. Jesus was able to just shut the mouths of the bad guys. But notice the last. And the entire crowd was rejoicing over the glorious things that were being done by him. A wonderful byproduct of this woman being healed was it brought glory to God. There's other people saying, do you see what Jesus did? He's the Messiah. Our lives should do the same. Matthew says, let your light so shine, your light so shine before men that they may see your good works And glorify your Father which is in heaven. God wants you to so live for Jesus that people can't help but say, God, you're so good. I see you living in these people. They don't glorify us. You're just the greatest people I've ever known. No, you got the greatest God. And that's what happened. They glorified God. And I heard one of you say the other day that beautiful song, Oh, what a Savior! Oh, what a Savior! That's a great old song that the church needs to to sing often. So that's the purpose of the healing that day, that people would glorify God. They'd see the mighty work of God as they saw it in her life. Freed. Anybody need freeing tonight? Same Holy Spirit that did that's available in this place. I want to stop before we pray to close tonight. It's a little different tonight. And before I ask Mark to come up with the... uh, with his uh, worship team. Uh, I want to acknowledge those that are watching us online. I'm looking back at where the camera is facing this way, and I just want to thank uh, people that around the country. We have people in different states that join us on Sunday night, and I'm very grateful uh, for them doing that. I was blessed about four years ago to ask, be asked by Tommy, our senior pastor, to come and to be with you guys here on Sunday evening. And I'd been in the past quite a bit in years past, uh, but wasn't uh, leading it and wasn't uh, preaching at that time. I do need to make a bittersweet announcement. And uh, I want you, when I share this with you, I want you to know that it is very emotional for me. Um, I want you to know that it is something that's not done lightly. And you're already looking at me like... (laughs) No, it's going to be good, something good. Uh, Denton Bible is a wonderful church to be at. If you've only been at Denton Bible before, go visit somewhere else for a couple of weeks uh, and then come running back. And I'm not talking bad about any other churches, but I've been at other churches. I've been a senior pastor at other churches for a lot of years. Denton Bible's a great church, and I'm thankful to be here. I don't want to be anywhere else. Um, but after a lot of prayer, a lot of discussion, with Tommy, with Curtis Elder, who's the chairman of our elders, with the rest of the elders, because we're an elder-ruled church and things uh, are proposed to the elders and elders make those decisions after a lot of prayer discussion, Um, and the executive team of our church, and those are men that are executive pastors that pray for you and serve for you all the time. Uh, there's been an agreement that for now for a season that the the evening service is gonna stop it's gonna go away and so you're hearing about hit here tonight uh, I, I talked to the elders they were in agreement that we wanted to show the greatest respect to all of you people that come to church here on Sunday night the greatest respect that we can um, Many of you are very, very faithful. You have for years uh, supported this service. Uh, There's a long history here at Denton Bible of the evening service, and in the next few weeks, we're gonna be talking about some of those things to give honor to God, to give honor to where it's due, thanking the Lord for Denton Bible, for Tommy, and all that have have, uh, been a part of the evening service, and you people are very, very valuable. And we're just going to be shepherding and here to talk and to pray with people. Uh, I hope no one uh, takes it the wrong way. But we are so excited about other things that are happening in the church right now that you and I can be involved with. We've had the greatest volunteers here in this service for decades. And I am humbled by their service. We have the greatest servants that are on staff here that have worked for years and years and years and years and years to make sure that we have this service and it's done excellently uh, to honor Christ. But this is a season and that's what Tommy used that word, a season. And now we're going to focus another direction that we can be more of a one church together together on Sunday mornings, that the, we can volunteer together in, in other places on Sunday mornings. We can serve together, the staff can serve together and we can be more unified by uh, asking folks to come on Sunday morning and be a part of one of those services. Uh, You may say, well, I, you know, this and this and this. uh, Just realize that I understand. Uh, I was allowed to preach for 28 years, three times a week before I came to this church. And I love to preach. And I realize that that's something that I'm not gonna be able to do here also. I will miss what I'm getting to do right now so greatly. But I'm not sad. As I believe that this is God-ordained, I believe he's directing it. Some people may get upset. I'll cry with them. I'll, I'll hug them. I'll sit for hours. But our elders are faithful men that pray, and we've come in agreement that this is a season for that. So it's a good thing. I'm anticipating good things as we unify a little bit more. Uh, again, I want to say to you, every one of you are so valuable and so important. And you folks that are watching online, I want to say to you, if you would please email us, you can email me at mspencer@dentonbible.org, at or you can email the main um, office. Email us and let us know who you are, where you are so we can be in contact with you and uh, to show you how grateful we are for you t- tuning in. Because I know some of them do that on a regular basis. And they email me and, you know, and, and talk about the service. So you can imagine why I was a little bit emotional coming here tonight. Uh, this is bittersweet. But we do believe that this is gonna be a wholesome, peaceful thing. And uh, I can't tell you how grateful I am to serve alongside of those that have served here. Uh, I try to get around and talk to everybody I can't tell you how much I'm going to miss that. I just need to look for you uh, in one of the other services and maybe we can even do that more. I'll stay here tonight if anybody wants to talk. If this is your first time you thought, well, I sure chose a good night to come, this is a good thing. Uh, We're planning on the next two Sundays announcing the same thing in the announcements so the word can spread. On the 21st, uh, and, and, we're going to try to have some of the leaders of our church and some elders and other people here you can talk to, and they'll, they'll be, be ready to talk and pray with you too. Then on the 21st of May, we want to have a good old fashioned, uh, fellowship dinner together. So we're going to be sending out some notices about that. And I would love for everybody's ever been a part of the evening service to show up. That'd be a lot of food, wouldn't it? We better make sure we get a lot of food here but to have a good fellowship and to honor God, God, Christ, to honor Denton Bible and Tommy for the years that he served and, and led this service, and to honor all of you that have been a part of this service and those that are listening and have been a part of this service for a lot of years. So that'll be on the 21st. We won't have any music that night so that we can have a time of fellowship. Uh, we'll come together and, 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 and say just a little bit. And then on the 28th, May the 28th, that's right around Memorial Day, isn't it? Right there close. Uh, we'll have our, uh, our last service. Um, and if I can get through it. <laughs> and we'll, we'll preach the word. And we'll sing. And we'll pray. And we'll hug each other. And we'll look forward to the good things. God doesn't stop anything without having something good the next step. So... I want to say personally to you that I love you. Uh, unashamedly, I love you and I'm very grateful for you. And uh, this is going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing. So would you pray with me? And then would you continue to pray and look forward to all that the Lord has ahead? Mark, if you and your team will come forward and lead us in our closing. Father, we bow before you and, and truly do honor you for being the good God that you are. I pray for churches everywhere, Lord, that lift up your name, that are true to your Bible, that preach the gospel. I thank you, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, that uh, you'd bless churches everywhere. In other countries, those that we talked about and asked for prayer tonight for these missionaries, in countries where it's dangerous to be a Christian and they have to hide sometimes, Lord, give them supernatural courage. I thank you, Lord, for these that are faithful here tonight, our elder that's here with us, his wife. I thank you for these faithful volunteers that have served for decades. I thank you for this faithful staff that has done so much behind the scenes that people don't even realize so this service could be a blessing (coughs) and be a blessing (coughs) uh, to everyone that comes. I do ask you, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified through this change. Thank you for Tommy. Uh, thank you for Denton Bible Church. And I thank you for everyone that sat in these chairs, taking their little babies over there to, uh, to the childcare, played the guitars and pianos and sang and the drums up here on the stage. And, and Lord, uh, so willing to come and to serve your church. Plug us in. Show us where the next direction is. Show us where... We can be more unified and fellowship can be had even to a greater degree. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being able for these last four years to open up your word and to preach your gospel. I'll never take it lightly. So please bless these people, Lord. Let it be calm in their heart, I pray. And let us shepherd them well in the weeks to come. And we'll pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.